Welcome to episode 150 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, John. So this week on the podcast, we're going to chat a little bit about a programming language for living cells um, and the intersection of computer science and synthetic biology. So this programming language is called Cello, uh, C-E-L-L-O, and it's... Maybe pronounced cello, we don't know. We have no idea, yeah. Um, And it was put together by synthetic biologists at MIT and Boston University. And it's essentially software that automates the design of DNA circuits for living cells. And the purpose of the project was to help people who are not skilled biologists uh, to quickly be able to design working biological systems. So the way uh, Cello works is the user specifies what kind of cell they're using and what they want to do with it. Um, so, for example, the cell might uh, uh, sense a certain metabolic condition uh, and then produce, say, a drug in response. Um, or uh, it could uh, sense the presence of uh, oil, say, in, in, in the water, and then uh, produce an enzyme that degrades uh, the oil, you know, for, for cleaning up after oil spills. You could have a, uh, uh, a bunch of uh, bacteria that, that, that do that kind of work. Um, so it's, using, it's actually using an existing computing language called Verilog, um, which has been used by electrical engineers for a while. Um, and so that's how the um, circuitry, the DNA circuitry is specified. And then uh, Cello translates that information uh, to design the DNA sequence. Uh, and then, uh, you know, take it from there. You have this um, bacteria that can do any number of things for you. So, so this is a really significant um, step, I think, in that we're beginning to see this abstraction layer being built uh, for creating uh, synthetic biology. So it's, it's really enabling uh, people who have, you know, who, who don't have this biology background to operate in this abstraction layer much in the same way as you would uh, with computer programming. And, and the, the engineering... Um, underpinnings, right, that, that go into, uh, you know, the, the app explosion of recent years, right? Or even if you just look at, at the way desktop software has, has exploded, you know, from, you know, the 1980s onward, you know, there's, there's lots of things that you can do with your desktop computer that was created by, by folks who don't necessarily know how the circuitry works or, or, or really even care. Um, but they're able to program on top of this and then, you know, have access to music, movies, uh, what have you, uh, e-commerce, uh, any number of things. In the same way, uh, Cello is giving access uh, to these engineers, uh, you know, to the biological circuitry. So it's not unfathomable that, that you or I could learn this uh, programming language and download 
uh, Cello from from GitHub, like any other open source project, and started hacking away and seeing if we could come up with the next, you know, latest and greatest bacteria application. Right. Uh, so, so to me, this this is a first step in the uh, uh, explosion that I'm sure is to come for synthetic biology. Dirk, what's you know what, what's your impression of of this programming language? Um, you're you're a lot more deeply steeped into synthetic biology as as a field. So, for me, it's um, I'm, I'm full of wonder and fright. Um, I mean, so if I download this and I, I can program in the language, could I program um, you to give yourself cancer if I got mad at you? Like, is that are we getting a an amount of control at our fingertips over the the, the biological self that we could make our bodies uh, revolt? Um, is that is that the it, that sounds like the path that we're headed down? But I, I, obviously, the technology isn't that far yet. So. Help me to better understand what's the gap between that you know dystopic future and um, where we really are today, basically. Right. So, so in your example of of programming cancer, I, I think you you'd have a a couple gaps there. The the first of which we're talking about some very simple uh, uh, biology, like these these cells for for E. coli or or, or similar microorganisms. That, that are much less complicated uh, in terms of changing their their DNA than than you you would encounter with with a human being, right? Sort of like chess is a much simpler game than Go to figure out artificial intelligence solutions for. Yeah, I you know that's that's fair. I would, I, I would say that that you're probably looking at more like chutes and ladders uh, to Go. Okay. Uh, uh, but you know, I'll defer to the to the biologists and the audience to okay. uh, to validate that that particular metaphor. Re- regardless, I, I I think part of it too is that the simple you know single celled organisms are also easily manipulated and have been for you know for decades, right? So I, for instance, familiar with. Uh, a biodegradable plastic product that was created by bacteria back probably about 15 years ago where the uh, bacteria were engineered to suck in uh, sugar and spit out this this biodegradable plastic. So so the science, I think, is pretty well advanced in terms of tweaking uh, microorganisms, whereas I think we're still in the nascent stages of a, I mean, you you outlined sort of the opposite of personalized medicine, right? Yes. Which is which is more like a curse or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, Attack or, my enemies or, you know? or poison, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 that is a a major concern. I mean, Boston, in addition to having all this wonderful synthetic biology uh, technology, also has within its uh, reaches a uh, a research center for you know chemical and biological uh, warfare, ma- mainly to try to figure out what to what to do if if any of these uh, uh, reagents or uh, you know ever surface. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a number of levels to that um, uh, the type of security clearance that you would need for uh, you know this chemical and biological. Uh, weapons, and I, I think it's it's the highest level of clearance or close to it uh, that that research center. So so the 
the idea that these biological agents could be used for ill are it's not lost on the scientific community in addition to you know maybe the fantastic like okay we're gonna spill oil and then let loose the bacteria to clean it up um there's there's certainly the the dark side to that which you know we can see with hacking any sort of systems uh we had that episode of uh, a few months ago about, you know, hacking our power grid, right? You, oh, exactly. So, so it's interesting because I don't think the level of attention uh, has been paid quite yet to, you know, what the outputs of synthetic biology will be. And I think it will largely remain slightly under wraps, much in the same way that genetically modified foods uh, have have been... Uh, off the radar. I mean, there's there's a bit more of hubbub now about uh, wanting to label these foods, right? But for for the most part, we are eating genetically modified corn and other grains. I mean, we're the big experiments yep. in terms of whether or not these things are going to, uh, you know, be detrimental or have no uh, reaction to the human body at all. Yep. So, I I do think that there is. For whatever reason, and I don't know if that's especially strong lobbying or just ignorance on the part of people when it comes to, you know, biological uh, organisms versus sort of everybody's now plugged into uh, computers and can kind of grasp what identity theft and hacking and all of those things are. It's just not in the vocabulary of uh, our culture right now to be discussing these, you know, negative consequences to biological um, uh, alterations, right? But just as everybody now has a laptop or a, uh, uh, a mobile phone where back in the 80s, you know, nobody had computers. I mean, I think we're all going to start getting familiar with uh, bio-inspired and, and uh, synthetic biology products. So uh, perhaps you're hinting at a conversation that's, that's coming uh, down the road uh, in a little bit as people start getting more alarmed by the things that are possible. Well, it's definitely where I jump, right? I mean, if, if you think about in the physical world, the, the notion of a virus, we're exposed to real viruses and they materially change our body, sometimes in rapid and horrific ways. Um, once we created the, the internet and once, once we created the, the virtual world, so to speak, now humans create viruses that attack that, similar to the the Ukraine uh, power issue that you mentioned earlier, and destroy those things. And now this is sort of like the third level, right? It's we're 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 changing the world in a way that code can change our bodies. The code could, in theory, operate as a virus um, within us. And yeah, the technology's not there yet. Yada yada yada. It's it's coming. I mean, that's why I made the chess go um, a little poke. Um, uh, so, you know, what, what does that look like and, and how can it be controlled? Because we sure as hell uh, don't control, um, you know, viruses on the Internet. We certainly don't control viruses in, in the hardware and software that we have today. And, um, you know, it, it, that's relatively easy to fix. Um, you know, you wipe your computer. It's a day or two of hassle and then you're back and ready to go. Um, you know, if, if people can start rewriting the code inside of us in malicious ways, that's, that's nasty. I mean, this is science fiction at this point, of course, right? But because I'm not very well um, educated on, on these areas of, of science and engineering, 
that's certainly where where I go, not from the standpoint of like, oh, my God, I'm so scared about this. We can't let it continue. I mean, I kind of take for granted that it's coming inevitably. But um, I think the we talk about a lot of technology and future things on the show. And of all the things we talk about, this is this is probably the one that I think is, for me at least, most alarming in terms of the the potential the potential consequences. Yeah, and and you know I have a, a little bit of knowledge in this area, but I'm certainly no expert in terms of um, you know being able to evaluate this the security or lack thereof of our um, of our you know human biology and and what's possible. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, changing it as as a res- result of some SynBio uh, product, I, I will say, however, that the um, the outputs of of synthetic biology, at least ones that I've seen so far, um, the results that you're looking for in terms of when you make these changes to uh, to DNA. Um, they don't always these things don't always go the way you think they're going to go uh, when when you're programming. So so I, and what I mean is they uh, in, in a lot of cases, they just don't work. Right. Like like the DNA doesn't um, come together in the way that you would you would expect. So so the math uh, and science suggest that doing this certain set of things would result in an outcome, but it doesn't result in the expected outcome. Correct. Yeah. So. So I think I, I read there was uh, uh, maybe seventy five percent success rate with with uh, some of the DNA circuits that they were designing using uh, Cello, right? Um, so so it's certainly not something that is uh, you know a hundred percent certain right now. So if, even if someone had a malicious intent. And was at the expert level that that these scientists at MIT and BU are, which I, I would think you'd need to be. Uh, even then, it's it's not really a guarantee uh, that you're going to get the results that um, that you want. I bet that's um, changed remarkably by the time our children are our age. I'm I'm sure of it. I I think what we're looking at is some of the early. Uh, blips that that come along when creating a new programming language certainly and and um, you know there there is a question about you know you can prototype code right to see sort of if things are going are going to work the way you want them to um, and I suspect there will need to be some pretty robust ways to prototype um, synthetic biology right uh, ways that that are not uh, dangerous to people, and you know that's that's an area that's uh, you know I'm very curious about as well because once you release things into the uh, into the wild, um, I know I've heard folks talk about having kill basically biological kill switches, right? So ways of preventing uh, uh, genetically modified uh, organisms from from reproducing, or uh, you know if there's if, if they've run amok in some way that they can be shut down by, you know, introducing uh, uh, a certain enzyme to the system. Or and, say we, we, I mean, and this is, this is where it goes very quickly. When we're born, our, our DNA is immediately mapped. And if, it's, if, if, certain, um, if certain parts of our DNA are certain things, 
these things are turned loose in us to regulate or control or change our, our very programming right from the beginning. Right. Yeah, I think I, I, I think we're we're at the at the very edge of all of this. Uh, Meaning the beginning, science. way, yeah. way, way early. Yeah, I understand. Right. But it's it's compelling, though. It's it's interesting. Um, and again, maybe it's only compelling because of my ignorance. I need to get a lot smarter on this stuff. Um, but it's to me, it's kind of mind blowing, like the notion of robots and cyborgs and AI and some of the other things that we talk about. I don't know. Th- those have been prevalent in popular culture for so long. This, this to me is mind blowing. The idea of the programming language um, over over the biological structure um, is so different than what is you know than what we're used to. I mean, certainly some science fiction writers have have written about it, but this is this is cool stuff. I really want to learn more. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know when I was when I was doing some research, and I'm sure this is old hat for for folks who are, who are gen- generating DNA sequences in the lab. But, you know, you can sort of create a DNA sequence and go and get that replicated at a lab now. So if you had a particular one that you wanted to replicate, you could do that. And, of course, they have their eye out, so they're not going to just go and create, you know, anthrax for you or, or what have you. But you can go and order it, and, you know, there's a certain cost per base pair, um, and it's relatively affordable. So that that really is you know, nature's design material in, in a lot of ways. And it, it is mind-blowing. And at the same time, it, it's very uh, accessible insofar as, like, we can see the, the results of what, what DNA does. And, and, and so I, I, I saw a quote that said, you know, not everybody necessarily has access to computers, but we all understand inherently what biology is and what it, what it does. So, so in some ways, this is technology we all kind of live with already. Uh, it's just being made available for us to change it for the, you know, uh, for the first time. Well, I put it differently. I'd say that it's, it's something that has always been part of the human experience and is now being revealed to simply be technology. Mm. Yeah, I like, uh, I like that. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D. Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Or email me, Dirk, at GoInvo.com. So that's it for episode 150 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.